pals. Want to listen to the big listen while you're dashing through the snow in a one-horse open sleigh? Yes, you do. And you can with the NPR One app. NPR One is all the things you want. International news, local stories, as well as your favorite podcasts, including the ones you hear on this show. NPR One is here for you to help get you through the holidays. Find NPR One in your app store today. Now, before we start, I just want to say thank you so much for listening to The Big Listen. We really appreciate it. If you love the show or even if you just kind of have a little crush on it, please leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps other people find the show. Trust me. And thank you so much. Now, let's start the show. Melissa Locker has a job that not many other people can claim. She reviews podcasts and gets paid for it. I would love to have my own podcast, but I am completely technically inept (laughs) and also probably have a weird voice. So I've decided to just write about other people's incredible stories. I mean, listen, there are a lot of people who are technically inept who have podcasts. I wouldn't let that stop you. Yeah, I just, it's one of those things where I keep thinking about it. I'm like, I don't actually know how you do it. I'm probably not even doing it right at this current moment. Like, we, we're, we'll we be lucky if this interview gets recorded. You know, I actually, I feel like you have this under control. But little does Melissa know, the wheels are actually coming off as we speak. Ah. Oh, my God. No, just kidding. We're cool. Everything's under control, guys. We got it. Sort of. I'm Lauren Ober, and from WAMU and NPR, this is The Big Listen, the totally professional broadcast about podcasts. Each week on The Big Listen, we introduce you to podcasts you might not have ever heard of, and we give you the inside scoop on shows you already love. So Melissa reviews podcasts for The Guardian, and her output is prolific. Not only does that mean she's listening to a ton of stuff, It also means that then she has to write about it. I am very well acquainted with my desk. Yeah. (laughs) What's the most worn out key on your keyboard? Uh, Well, the R fell off, (laughs) and I kind of stuck it back on. (laughs) Seriously, can someone get a Kickstarter going to get this lady a new keyboard? Yeah, Uh, like $7 later. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I wanted to talk to Melissa because of this simple fact. Her job didn't exist just a couple of years ago. It couldn't have. There just weren't enough podcasts out there to review. One of my favorite things is just that there are so many incredible shows out there now, and more and more people are entering into podcasting. It seems like there's an unlimited number of shows. Yeah, I totally hear that. Even if I lived to be like 102, I doubt I would ever get to all the shows out there. How are you deciding who you want to feature, what shows you want to talk about? Well, my mechanism for success is purely caffeine. I am 90% coffee at all times. Well, that's one way to do it. We'll hear more from Melissa later in the show about the job of listening for a living. But before that, I want you to listen to some stuff, some good stuff, some stuff we handpicked for your listening pleasure. It would seem that the old gray lady is jumping into the digital audio fray these days. Over the last year, the venerable New York Times has been ramping up its podcast game. I'm Wesley Morris. I'm Jenna Wortham, and welcome to Still Processing. We're two culture writers at the New York Times, and the paper was chill enough to give us our own show! 
One of the Times' newest projects is still processing. It's sort of a chat show plus, featuring Pulitzer Prize-winning critic Wesley Morris and astute cultural observer Jenna Wortham. Not only are both of them crazy smart, but they're also pals who have a whole lot to say about everything. I don't know. I want to talk to you about how you feel about Instagram, and I want to talk about your personal geode collection. You have one. I want to hear why. Here's what I want to hear from you. I want to talk about... Do the Oscars still matter? What shows are you watching? What do you think about Janet Jackson? I want to know how you feel about the Obamas leaving the White House. All right. Well, I guess we're going to do it. And we're going to do it on a show that's called Still Processing. Because that's what we're trying to do every week. Unpack each other's worlds and help each other make sense of what's left in 2016 and then 2017 and then 2018. And then we're going to go into the future. And we're talking about culture, politics, we're talking about relationships. Uh, hey, hey, La- hey, Lauren. Yeah. Where are you, by the way? Where am I? I am in Washington D.C. You're in D.C. Okay. okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, I am in a I am in a a studio with a window. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, we're living large here um, in D.C. So, <laughs> um, yeah, Jenna Wortham and Wesley Morris of Still Processing from the New York Times. Welcome to the Big Listen. Thanks for having us. Oh well, it's my pleasure. So I clicked on the New York Times website today just to sort of see what you guys have going on there in terms of podcasting. And I think that this it's not even there's no debate here. No one can tell me otherwise. I think you two are the best dressed and probably best looking podcasters <laughs> out there. Like your photos oh, are glamour, like glamour shots. Oh like gosh. I don't know why y'all work in newspapers because you are wasting <laughs> your style in the print pages. I'm sorry to say. Yeah. Well, that can't I, be true though. There have to be like, re- like there has to be like, like Amber Rose hosts a podcast. Like she has to be one of the best looking people. In podcasting now. Uh, oh, right? I don't know. I'm just going to take the compliment. All right, all right. <laughs> thank you. All right. Thank you. Yeah. Well, so your podcast still processing, I would frame it as a culture podcast. You know, now there are no shortage of culture podcasts out there. And I want to know why you guys decided to jump into the fray. That's a good question. Mm. Well, uh, Wesley, you asked me to come along in the ride with you. So I'll let you take that one. Um <laughs> Well, I think that there are a lot of culture podcasts, but they, I don't listen to all of them because a lot of them aren't terribly compelling to me. Mm -hmm. And the ones I do listen to have this really great balance of being able to talk about why something works or doesn't work and how that thing made them feel. I feel like Jenna is just a great person to talk to. And I get a lot out of, of my mind meeting her mind and I never know what she's going to think about anything before we talk and I can't predict what her response is going to be to anything and I think that's a really good dynamic for two people to have Mm -hmm. and I just genuinely love Jenna like she's so warm and thoughtful and a good person but honest and real and true so what um, you're saying is I will I will cut somebody if I have to. <laughs> if if it comes to that, if it comes to that, I I know I can count on you to 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 be the real talk yeah, person. But I also think that in terms of the world in which we're we're operating, I I just think we're two black people who have a lot of interest in a lot of different things, and some of those things happen to have a racial dimension to them, and I don't know. I just feel like there are other there are weeks when 
race isn't an issue at all. And we're just mm-hmm. two people talking about about stuff we've seen. And I, I mean, I don't know, Jenna, do you how do you feel? I think in 2016, it's really hard to be any kind of cultural producer and use the fact that other people have done something at all similar as a reason not to do it. There's just so much stuff out there. Like it's, it it can be really self-defeating to think that, you know, we, we don't have something to add just because there are so many other cultural podcasts out there in the world. Right. I mean, it's us, so it's going to be new and fresh and different. (laughs) It's true. Plus, That's what I tell myself every Tuesday before we come to the <laughs> I'm like in the mirror with my hyphy song, listen to Nicki Minaj, like, all right, I got this. So one of the things that I like about your podcast, because there, there are a lot of chat shows, interview shows that only are in the studio. You, you hear two people's voices and that's all. You guys get out of the studio every so often. I'm wondering, is that sort of part of what you're trying to do is like, it isn't just this sterile studio time. Like you're in the world, you go out in the world. Yeah, That's more of a reflection of who we are as people. Mm -hmm. Wesley and I, for our jobs, spend a ton of time out in the world, interacting with it, engaging with with it, and then figuring out how to bring that into our work for the magazine and for the paper. So it, it felt really natural, I think, to also extend that to the podcast, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I just, I, I love the idea that we don't have to be studio bound every week. You know, we had a really great episode at the Smithso- the new Smithsonian that opened a couple mm-hmm. last month. The National Museum of African American History and Culture. Mm-hmm. Yes. Here in the National Mall in Washington, D.C. AKA the Black Smithsonian, AKA the Black Sonian, AKA the Blacksmith Baby. I know. Is anyone in D.C. calling it that yet? No one is calling it the Blacksonian. And in fact, I have just missed up. Well, it's not a missed opportunity for you guys. You coined it. It's your thing. So, (laughs) No, I met in D.C. You need to, you know, get on that hashtag. It's got to happen. No, but that was great. I mean, first of all, you you got in there. I mean, I don't know how you got in. Like every time I try to get a ticket, I can't get in. So you guys got into the museum. I mean, tell me about that experience a little bit. Well, I mean, I think it came from Jenna. Really, I mean, I was annoyed at her because <laughs> she got to go in before uh, I did, before I anybody in. did. She yeah. kind of snuck in there. Oh. Uh, I was, I was jealous. Jenna, Jenna had this idea that we should maybe think about when the show is live, going down to the Smithsonian and spending an episode there. And I thought, yeah, of course. I don't know how we're gonna get in, but, <laughs> but you made it happen. Actually, but it, but it worked. It worked. We, yeah. I mean, and we had a really good time. I think about that that experience a lot. Mm-hmm. I think about what it meant to be in that museum a lot, what it meant to be there with Jenna mm-hmm. and our, our one of our producers, Max Linsky. Mm-hmm. It was just a really it was a really great day. Wes and I have been having conversations about we were people watching all the white people in the cafeteria and we were, you know, kind of observing people from other cultures that come out either outside the US or other hyphenated Americans who are here. We're so defined by trying to fit into white spaces. Is there, is there, mm-hmm. how do curators with this museum think about how white people, and, and I know the Smithsonian has been very, it feels very inclusive, and, and there has been a lot of discussion in the things I read about the museum. It's for everybody, and it does feel like it's for everybody. But what is the conversation like around how do white people fit into this very black space, been like, if there has been one? It's just integral. None of African-American history, you can't separate it from whiteness and concepts of whiteness Mm -hmm. and white power 
right? Mm -hmm. And also white participation in helping to in, in our freedom movements like the civil rights movements. I think, so this is my opinion, but I think that there's a level of consciousness, consciousness among a huge segment of white folk that sort of understand this mm -hmm. story, understand mm -hmm. that they're part of it, and really wanted to see this museum happen. One of the things, comments I got a lot from people, and I'm talking about white people, was it's about time. Like mm. it's about time that this museum is here on the mall. And maybe I just tend to hang out with more socially conscious white folks. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But there are definitely a lot of corporations, you know, and individual givers who were white who made this museum possible. Mm -hmm. And so there's an acknowledgement that this museum needed to happen and that we wanted to participate in making it happen. Yeah. The entire thrust of this experience in a lot of ways is not possible. I said this to Jenna in the cafeteria. None of this is happening without white people at all. <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> not one, not one second of it is nope. possible without a white person. They're sort of obligated to participate, and their participation is welcomed. <laughs> right. We don't become African Americans without white folks. No, we yeah, don't even we become don't black. Right. Without right. White folks. That's it right there. You know, I wanted to get your take on sort of like the time that we are living in, you know, at this moment, because I'm struck by the fact that, you know, we're living in the 21st century, with 21st century technology, everybody's got a thousand devices. And yet the conversations that we're having about, you know, really basic things like race and gender I feel like they're the same conversations that were happening like when I was born in the 70s. I mean, you guys are dealing with all of those things on your show. And I wonder how you're struck by this period of time that we're living in. Hmm. Well, I mean, I definitely believe in the continuum. Mm. I believe in, in cycles. I believe that, you know, when it comes to some things in this country, they're fundamental to its to the to its unsolvability. And it's the, and, and that unsolvability is part of the country's nature. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think when it comes to race and gender, any group that's been oppressed by another group and the groups are all still expected to coexist without really acknowledging and reckoning with and dealing with what the oppression was all about. I think you're probably going to have some issues until there are more oppressed or formerly oppressed people or currently <laughs> oppressed people in the power structure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is a really exciting time to be working as a journalist, which is mm -hmm. part of the reason why I like having a podcast, because there are so many there are only so many ways you can write about these issues over and over again before they start to feel like sometimes I'll be right. You know, I'll be writing about technology. I, I don't know. I, the number of times I write the word startup in a single piece, I bore <laughs> myself, you know, but like you but there are ways in which you can talk about something that it's very different to than to write about it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's sort of why I feel like the, the podcast is still really valuable. Yeah. So your show is pretty new. What are the types of sort of stories that you want to tell or issues that you want to delve into and sort of plant your flag in this mm. space? More field trips, definitely. Mm -hmm. I want to take Wesley to some concerts. We want to look at some art again together. We want to do some food stuff. I, mm -hmm. interesting. I was in Washington State and I had um, some smoked salmon on the reservation outside of, I think it's Nea Bay. Mm -hmm. and it was fantastic. Mm. And I asked the guy who was making it, what's the story here? Like, this is amazing. And he, and he showed me the smoker and the beautiful wood, and then I said, well, what do you spice it with? And he goes, that's been handed down from the, from the forefathers. Classic and, excuse. And, Classic you know, story. the ancestors. And, yeah. 
<laughs> and I was like, okay, I respect that. I respect you, sir. I respect. And then he broke out laughing and brought out the Lowry's. <laughs> Lowry's! <laughs> it was perfect. great. So was this perfect. a Negro you were talking to? <laughs> I mean, it's Lowry's is like. Lowry's I is also, pretty good. But I didn't even know it was called Lowry's. I was thought, it's just it's called just Season Salt. Season Salt, right, right. Yeah. I was like, people keep in, get the Lowry's. And yeah. I was like, what are you talking yeah. about? And, they were, and then I was like, oh, you mean the Season Salt? Yeah, everybody loves, every culture loves MSG. I'm big into health and wellness, so I definitely need to take Wesley to a spa and get him a Groupon for a massage. <laughs> Introduce him to my world a little bit. A little bit. I'm, I'm open to cleanses. Yes. I'm open wow. to massages. Yeah. I'm open to the spa. You know what you're getting yourself into, though. I mean, you're... Oh, yeah. I mean, but that was part of the deal when we did this, was that we would share each other's selves with each other. Uh -huh. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, and you guys were pals before. Like, you... You were you were buddies like you because it, it yeah, feels met. like yeah. we met <laughs> like once or twice. My like, eyes. Yeah, we'd met at a Christmas no, we party. Kind of. yeah. We've never been closer than we are right now. I think that we were predisposed to want to be in each other's lives anyway. Yes. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I feel like if it weren't this show, it would just be me at Jenna's house mm -hmm. at some point mm -hmm. just hanging out. Right. Real talk. For a long time. Well, yeah. just stick a microphone in there and you're good. Like. There's your podcast. Yeah. That's a mean, definitely an episode. <laughs> right. Definitely a future yeah. episode. Wesley Morris and Jenna Wortham of Still Processing from the New York Times. Thank you, guys. You're great. I love you. Oh, I love, thank I love you. you so much. This was great. Thanks for having us. Jenna Wortham and Wesley Morris are the hosts of Still Processing from the New York Times. To find out more about them or their show, hit up biglisten.org. It's got the info. Now, remember our podcast reviewer friend from the top of the show, Melissa Locker? Well, I wanted to know if there was just too much out there. Have we reached peak podcast? There are a lot of podcasts out there that people are going to have a really hard time finding. It's part of the iTunes algorithm. And when you're listening to a podcast and they always tell you at the end, please review our show, it all goes into the iTunes algorithm that makes it easier to find and makes other people to find. But that's also kind of a ridiculous level of involvement to require for listeners. Like they've already, you know, downloaded your show and listened to it. And then asking them to go into iTunes and then write about it seems like a bridge too far for most people. Right. So I feel like a lot of shows are going to get overlooked because their listeners just aren't that engaged or something. By the way, you can download uh, The Big Listen on iTunes. And while you're there... Leave us a review because it really helps. How is that? Was that a good plug? That was perfect. It was. It was a very natural. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, actually, I can we can we stop now so I can go log into iTunes and write a review? Yes, we can take a little break for iTunes reviewing and whatever else you need to take care of. So you have sixty seconds. The clock starts now. This is NPR. Hey pals, guess what? There's a new show at NPR. And it's a little different than what we've done before. It's called Radio Ambulante, and it's in Espanol, our first ever podcast in Spanish, in fact. The show takes a look at Latin America and U.S. Latino communities, bringing you stories that you might not otherwise hear. Punk rock in Cuba, stolen books in Colombia, junk bonds in Puerto Rico. Radio Ambulante is hosted by novelist Danielle Alarcón, and it tells the stories of Latin America from the inside. So check it out on the NPR One app 
and at nprone.org slash podcasts. Vamanos. Hello, this is Jacob Short from Fairfax, Virginia. I want to give a shout out to Extraordinary Terrestrials, the podcast that takes place in Maine. And I used to live in Maine. It really just brings me back to beautiful parts of Maine, especially the bog. It's this love story to the bogs of Maine. It's actually a horror serial, but it's really more of a nerdy podcast about the little microenvironments that the main bogs have. Up ahead, he could see a curve in the road that was wonderfully scenic, where the trees opened up to a small wetland clearing of cattails and long grass. Tripp's bicycle wobbled as he listened to the red-winged blackbirds. I think it really taps into that uh, great tradition of horror in Maine that uh, Stephen King has. All right, I just want to give a shout out because it's a beautiful story. It's amateurish, but got a lot of heart and really hope it gets some traction. All right, thanks so much. Big Listen. Bye-bye. Welcome back to The Big Listen. I'm Lauren Ober, and I want to know what podcasts you've been gushing about these days. Call us on our jazzy pod line and leave a voicemail. The number is 202-885-POD1. So go on. Light up my switchboard. So we all know podcasts are going like gangbusters these days. I can't even keep up anymore, and it's my job. And some of the biggest growth is in the audio drama category. Uh, Can you do your radio voice? I'm recording right now. This is Serendipity, a podcast of radio drama for the 21st century. Anne Hepperman is the co-host of the show Serendipity, That other voice you just heard in the clip was her collaborator, Martin Johnson. Serendipity is a celebration of contemporary radio drama from around the world. And that means stuff can get a little weird on her show. We, too, have had heartbeats that didn't graph easily onto a quantized and machined four-on-the-floor time signature. That's why Parallax Heart Designs first launched its Valentine Heartbeats line in 2032. Ann Hepperman of the podcast Serendipity. Thanks so much for hanging out with us on The Big Listen. Hey, super fun already. I'm already having the time of my life. Oh, my God. (laughs) Then your life is like, you need some more excitement in your life. If if we have managed to like already (laughs) excite you. Um, I think we all know like the sort of roots of radio drama in the... Austin Wells. Hello. Good evening. This is Orson Welles. Right, exactly. Like, like gun smoke and like people like making their sound effects like into the microphone in a studio. Pring, pring. Did you want to call me? Johnny Dollar. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Here, wait, let me answer the door. Johnny, darling, <laughs> welcome to New York. Right. Um, that is absolutely not what... <laughs> your version of radio drama is in the 21st century. Why don't you tell Mm-mm. me your guidelines for radio drama? How has your radio drama and, and what you present changed? I like to think that the fact that we're in the 21st century means something and that podcasting is a 21st century product actually means something. So on Serendipity, we want to showcase works that feel contemporary in a way we're at the beginning of like when the technology of film first happened and Mm. so what does that mean for podcasting like what does that mean in terms of how we think of 
this medium and how it can translate into different forms of fiction. Because the idea in terms of like fiction is has got a high bar because your listeners already know going into it that it's like not true, which mm-hmm. is something that I think is difficult because part of the sexiness of things like you know, narrative storytelling that happens at This American Life and Radio Lab and all of the shows that we love is that like, oh my God, it's true. Mm-hmm. And with fiction, you really have to have people buy into that world. And our ears have changed. Like we've transformed like that knock on the door yeah. that sounds yeah. like it's coming from in a studio. Like it sounds like you're watching Woody Allen's Radio Days, which is like an right. awesome movie. But... <laughs> Now, in the way that people have been creating these worlds, these truthful worlds, these documentary worlds, which is a world that Martin and me both come from, there are different ways of recording. There's different ways of producing. So I feel like that the worlds that people create need to have a different kind of aesthetic and the audio drama that people create needs to have a different kind of aesthetic. Okay. My dearest Martin... I'm sitting in the lobby of the hotel where we last met. I think you told me to be here. Where are you? I'm waiting for you. But I'm not sure that I remember. I think my head hurts. I'm waiting for you. It's like where we last met. And I'm starting to forget what you look like. It's been so long since we've been together. But I don't see. Come on board. Come on board. So pull this towards me? Yeah. People are pushing the boundaries of narrative. People are pushing the boundaries of audio, but not in a way that's inaccessible. You know, Mm -hmm. I Mm -hmm. still like a really good story. And so for me, it's just more of like a visceral reaction. But if I feel like I'm hearing something that I just think is kind of exciting and new and, and, you know, sometimes funny, makes me think. When I heard like This American Life for the first time or, or when I heard like Radiolab, like back in like 2002 before it was a science show where I was like, what is this? It's like for me, the things that excite me the most is when I'm just kind of I, I get that question. State your name for the record. Jonathan Mitchell. <laughs> State your occupation. Um, uh, <laughs> I produce the truth. Have you ever had a near-death experience? You mentioned um, the truth, Jonathan Mitchell's podcast and I remember the first time I listened to that like I didn't know that it was fiction and I was like Mm -hmm. what's happening why is this story so (laughs) terrifying but then I realized that it was an audio drama um and you had a piece that Jonathan Mitchell made remember the baby uh Mm -hmm. on serendipity so tell me what like why did you want to have him um on your show well I mean I've always enjoyed Jonathan Mitchell's work I've known Jonathan since 1999, I think, and known of his work and always been really impressed and excited by his work. And even before he started The Truth, um, he was doing these, uh, he was playing with fiction and nonfiction. And for me, you know, it was just, oh, okay, here is uh, somebody who's trying something a little bit, you know, different. Well, that piece... um the remember the baby like Mm -hmm. I 
um, it made me so anxious to listen yeah. to. It's basically um, about a person having a stroke and yeah. you're living it with them for the, you know, for however many minutes long the piece is. Oh, What is happening? What is happening? You're having a stroke. It's not possible. I'm 34. Be logical. You're having a stroke. Like when you listen to that piece, what feelings did it evoke for you? Oh God, it's terrifying. The character's name is Anne. And that is like my worst fear. So. Anne. Anne? Anne? Can you say it? Uh, but that piece, yeah, it was like so intense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so you get this very, and that's what I think good fiction does. Like when you read a good book or you hear an amazing poem or, or you know, even a, a, a song, um, you take it and relate it to your own life. You know, Mm -hmm. and I think in a way that's what I hope that contemporary fiction can do, like that we're Mm -hmm. thinking about raising it to the art form that it is, that Mm -hmm. it's not just, you know, that it's not just entertainment, but it's something that we can relate to. But there is like um, I'm thinking of uh, the piece um, that uh, Caitlin pressed from The Heart did uh, about strangers in a small cafe about like Mm. there's a point at which you realize that it's fictionalized but Mm -hmm. I think that the strength of a lot of those pieces are that like they could be they have these documentary elements to them and and you're not entirely certain you know is this real or is this not and and like you lose yourself for a second where you you think that like all of this is swirling around you i'm tired i want to take a cab i take too many cabs probably late i don't want to look at my watch he knows how to dress don't don't who's that if she smells at me, I'll smell back. Okay, I'm just trying to get home after a long day. At the Strangers dog. in a big city. How many flyers can I give out today? Lunchtime. Ah, the smell of the shish kebab food. Strangers in a small cafe. Now, you guys have taken the radio drama um, to the next level because you started... Um, you started an award for radio drama, the Sarah Awards. Um, mm-hmm. Tell me the the evolution of the Sarah Awards. Yeah, so the official name, um, get ready, it's a long one, is the Sarah Lawrence College International Audio Fiction Awards, Ooh. a.k.a. the Sarah Awards, a.k.a. Right. the Sarahs, like the Bessies, the Tonys, the Oscars, <laughs> all the greats. And the reason I created it is because so I, I teach at Sarah Lawrence College and I've been teaching there for a long time. And Sarah Lawrence is one of these amazing places that allows for experimentation and like Meredith Monk went there and Yoko Ono went mm-hmm. there and J.J. Abrams went there. And so there's this real tradition of allowing students to explore. And I always let my students do a fiction or a nonfiction piece 
and the fiction pieces it just like blew me away you know Mm-hmm. And so I I went to um, Sarah Lawrence and proposed this idea of an award, and they said yes, and then raised the money and said we raised the money, and I was like, oh my gosh, I guess I have to make it happen. Tell me about this year's winner. So this year's winner, it's called uh, the piece is called Almost Flamboyant. Almost Flamboyant by Rain Collins, and uh, it's Australian. And it's by two women, uh, Rain Collins, who is the writer, and Leah Fern, who is the producer. And it's uh, a piece um, that is about a woman and her experience with a taxidermied flamingo. Taxidermy kind of creeps me out, to be honest. And (laughs) with the soundscape of, like, with Tom Waits uh, in the background. And the taxidermy flamingo sounds a lot like Tom Waits. And he's a very surly bird. And it's awesome. The flamingo is resting on its back. It's taller than I expected, about five feet, with a shock of hot pink feathers. I stand on tiptoe. The curve of its beak is actually quite elegant. And I turn my head to the side to get a better look. Are you going to f***ing help me or just stare? I look around the alley, then up at the windows, and it comes again, deep and graveled from inside the skip. Hey, girly, do you know what the collective noun is for a group of flamingos? The thing is, I do. I I really do. Is Is it it a flamboyance? (coughs) Are you asking me or telling me? Pepperman is the co-host of Serendipity, along with Martin Johnson. The podcast is a production of the Sarah Lawrence College International Audio Fiction Award, the Sarahs for short. You can get more info about the show at biglisten.org. Well, we're going to take an ever-so-tiny break right now, but when we come back, we're going to shove our faces full of canapes and crudités with the gents of the dinner party download. I guess a potluck could be a dinner party as long as Mm -hmm. everybody puts the pots and the luck on one table, Mm. but then Mm -hmm. when they sit down to eat, they sit around a table. Mm. That is don't we? didn't we agree you have to cook at least 51% of the food yourself at your home? That's coming up in a few ticks on The Big Listen. Stay tuned. This is NPR. Are you frantically jotting down the name of every show we talk about on The Big Listen? Well, have I got great news for you. We've already written it all down for you and wrapped it up with a bow in our weekly newsletter. So just go to our website, biglisten.org, and hit the button under my big fat face that reads, Get the Newsletter. Speaking of bows, Tis the season to think about giving. So how about you support your local public radio station and kick them some cash for the holidays? Tell them the Big Listen sent you. They'll be totally tickled, and you will love that warm, fuzzy feeling of supporting public radio. Thanks. Hi, I'm Fred from Miami, eternally cursed with brutally long commutes. One of my favorite listens is the Star Talk podcast. It's a show hosted by Neil deGrasse Tyson and various comedians. 
It perfectly blends science topics with humors to make the subjects very accessible. Uh, know the difference between a meteor, a meteorite, and meteoroid? Do you know the difference between all this? Hey? I think one is one that has already crashed and destroyed Russia and one that is on its way to destroy Russia. <laughs> That's the difference. No. <laughs> I think one is one that's on Earth and one is that's heading toward... Yeah, yeah. so a meteorite, space. after you after hit and you pick it up, it's a meteorite. Right. right? And I, by, by the way, I think there are too many words for this stuff. It's, it's, it's unnecessary, but we have it anyways. This is a hilarious show that's also very smart. It's a great way to handle my commute, and I'm learning while laughing the whole way, at least for Monday, and then Tuesday starts. Hey, pals. Welcome back to The Big Listen. I'm Lauren Ober, and I want to know what your number one show is. Call us on the pod line and let us know all about it. The number is 202-885-POD1. Seriously, all I want for Christmas is your voice on our answering machine. So great news. It's time for Listen Up. This is the part of the show where we grill your favorite pod people, reporters, producers, hosts, about what they are putting their ears on. And today I'm joined by the fellas behind the Dinner Party Download. Welcome to the Dinner Party Download. This is your icebreaker. Okay, here's the joke. Why should you never trust an atom? Why? Because they make up everything. I'm Rico Galliano. I'm Brendan Francis Newnham. And from APM American Public Media, this is the Dinner Party Download. The best arts, culture, and food of the week delivered in tidy one-hour audio form. Yes, you just got a teeny joke. from Rico Galliano and Brendan Francis Noonan have been helping us win our dinner parties for the last eight years. I mean, I just won one last week thanks to these guys. Literally, I slayed that dinner party. No, not really. Just kidding. I've, like, been invited to two dinner parties in my entire life. I was That was a fib. Thanks so much for the small talk. Thank you guys for having me. And now, time for cocktails. I've been thinking about uh, this as I was planning on talking to you guys like have you ever actually been to a dinner party because i only get asked to go to potlucks and i would love mm. to actually be invited to go to a proper dinner party where somebody served me a meal in their home do you guys yeah. ever do you guys actually go to dinner parties yes yeah. sure and host dinner parties oh we're actually writing a book right now about dinner parties and one of the reasons for it is that people there there is actual data that People are having dinner parties less and less, and that's a travesty. One of the things we've been having more dinner parties because basically we need to write off our advance. So right. I've just been throwing, <laughs> yeah. I've been buying like I've been slaying lambs and uh, okay. bringing in yeah. gold leaf, four leaf clover <laughs> eggs for appetizers because all I the need time. to. Wow, yeah, it's all under yeah. So, so then, do you do you address? the scourge of potlucks in your well book? it is not a potluck is you're correct it is not a dinner party a potluck yeah see, a dinner we party has to it. happen yeah it has to happen around a well i guess a potluck could be a dinner party as long as mm. everybody puts the pots and the luck on one table mm. but then mm. when they sit down to eat they sit around a table mm. that is Rico, you have don't thing. we didn't we agree you have to cook at least 51 percent of the food yourself at your home i think potluck um, is not a dinner party, but I agree with you. I, I, Unless I had forgotten about fifty-one percent of the food at home, all the pots is not really a potluck as much as they're helping you out. Why would I want to cook my own food and then bring it over to your house? Why wouldn't I just eat it at my house? Yeah, yeah. that's true. Good point. Do you ever try to bring gumbo on the subway? It's a nightmare. <laughs> Listen, you'll burn exactly, your lap. Exactly. So we should uh, 
we should talk about podcasts. But I wanted to read, <laughs> since that's what? what our show's about, what? Um, no. So obviously then your your show is, is a broadcast and a podcast, not unlike mm-hmm. ours. Um, but do you guys actually listen to podcasts yourselves? I mean, you, you, you are consuming tons of culture. Your show is all about you know, uh, movies and music and food and drink and books and all of that. And do you throw podcasts in there or just is that like a personal thing? Private listening, of course. We we listen to po- – I'm in New York, so I have a lot of subway time. So that Yes, means I probably time. listen a little less than Brendan because I've got, you know, uh, just a short car commute into work and then the rest of the time I'm working. I used to say when I was a reporter, it's like I don't know what's happening in the news. I'm too busy reporting it. <laughs> um, there's <laughs> – there's a little bit of that going on, but I try to keep up with stuff. And there's, of course, always people telling me because we have a popular podcast, what other podcasts are out there. So I'm always kind of keeping an ear out for sure. So what, uh, Rico, what are you listening to on your short car commutes? I have uh, a couple of picks. Um, one of them is The Illusionist. Mm-hmm. This is The Illusionist, in which I, Helen Zaltzman, beseech language to put its left leg in, its left leg out, in, out, in, out, shake it all about. Brendan, tell me what you're listening to. Uh, what am I listening to? Well, I was thinking about this because I listened to all the kind of classic public radio shows, which are podcasts still, and I feel like they don't get enough love in this modern podcast universe, but I know this is a podcast show. But shout out to Fresh Air, Terry Gross, and On the Media, and all those wonderful shows. I'm Terry Gross with Fresh Air. This is On the Media. I'm Brooke Gladstone. And then, you know, I listen to kind of like the cool kids, uh, the Radiotopia stuff, and the Gimlet stuff. Radiotopia. From Gimlet Media, this is Jonathan Goldstein. But I have to say, there's a there's a part of podcasting that... that is woefully woe is that what am I saying that right, Rico? Woefully, yeah, yes, woefully, yes, unrepresented, yes. which is the companion podcast. There are only a few of them, uh, and too beautiful to live. Do you know this podcast? Yeah, Luke Burbank. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. he uh, is just really funny, covering the news of the day, and it's kind of got this. It reminds me of like early hip hop. It's got this kind of low budget quality <laughs> to it, but it's done so masterfully and edited pretty well. <laughs> that um, it's kind of got this charming ramshackle quality to it. All right, here we go, everybody, with a Monday afternoon edition of TBTL, the show that just might be too beautiful to live. It's a kind of magic. My name is Luke Burbank. I am your host. Y'all know why I'm here. Bringing you episode 2070 in a collector's series. Coming to you from Alabama Hill, Bellingham, Washington. I have a, here's one more for you. This is a quick one though because it's a, there aren't that many episodes of it. It is a show called the John Peel Lecture, and it's huh. a BBC show. And it's uh, basically they establish this as BBC Six, and they establish this thing. It's an annual thing, so there are only five episodes of it because <laughs> they've only been doing it for five years. And it's uh, in honor of John Peel. It's a musician talking about uh, music and the music industry. John Peel. A broadcaster who changed the landscape of British music. The people that they've had in each of those are, oh, Pete Townsend. I'm um, actually Dr. Pete Townsend. Iggy Pop. Can you hear me? Uh, Billy Bragg, one of my favorites. Mr. Billy Bragg. And the latest one, which was recorded in December, was from Brian Eno, Mm -hmm. talking for an hour about music and the music industry. At the center of this is a subject that none of us really have a very clear idea about. What are we doing? when we make art and what are we doing when we consume it it's only been on five years so we um, don't know they might have a non-white so. male guest <laughs> at some point 
But heretofore, it's just been white. I forget, I'm sorry, I forgot to mention there was a woman, Charlotte Church, who is a Welsh okay. singer-songwriter and also a BBC presenter. So they did get the ladies in there. Okay. Um, but right. he is... It, it's just I'm in the middle of this episode with Brian Eno, and it's amazing. He, I mean, just to, to throw this out there, he was he tries to define what art is, and he says art is anything you don't have to do. Now, what I mean by that is that there are certain things you do have to do to stay alive. You have to eat, for example, but you don't have to invent baked Alaskas or um, sausage rolls or Heston Blumenthal. So you have this basic activity that we and all other animals do, which is called eating. But then, unlike all other animals, we do a lot of embroidery and embellishment on top of it. We make eating into a complicated, stylized activity of some kind. Oh, what? What? Oh, we had a... We, sorry, that was my producer, Jacob. We had a listener tweet, and he had a question um, that the, the one of the listener tweets we got, because we, you know, we put out a call, like, what would you ask the guys if you could? And uh, one of the, uh, one of our, our listeners wanted to know, um, do you guys ever share toothbrush? <laughs> no, and uh, wouldn't, wouldn't do that. Even in a pinch. <laughs> no way. Are you kidding I mean, me? maybe if, if we had some, some rubbing alcohol. Yeah, I use an, I use an electric toothbrush. That um, always goes on when I'm traveling. Oh, embarrassing! And it's really embarrassing because yep. it sounds really weird on the plane. Like people are like, dude, what do you have in your bag? Would you ever share soap? No, this is gross. I'm just. It didn't come from me. I mean, these are. This is what the public wants to know. Just so, so people. This, know, here's it's the not secret like the to mon- a long. It's not like the monkeys. Okay, we don't like live in a dorm and have like bunk beds. Well, that's disappointing. The secret to a long relationship is, uh, you know, not sharing soap. Avoid those hairs. We, we will leave it there. Uh, <laughs> what a wrap up. That's right. That's right. They don't share soap. Rico and Brendan. Brendan Francis Noon. Do you go by Brendan Francis or do you just go by Brendan? You can call me B-Dog. B-Dog and Rico. It's our new detective show we're working on for Netflix. <laughs> Rico, I'm down. Rico and B-Dog. Brendan Francis Newham, Rico Galliano from the Dinner Party Download. Thank you so much for hanging out with us on the Big Listen. Please have Thank us, ba- you for having please us, have us back, even though we were being weird. We had a lot of fun. <laughs> to find out more about the Dinner Party Download and to get some very complicated cocktail recipes, check out biglisten.org. It's got the links. Well, we've almost reached the end of this week's episode, but before we let you go, say it with me. It's time for Chartography is our 60-second mapping of the iTunes charts. But we're not looking at number one or even number 100. We're looking at number 289. And you didn't know the iTunes rankings went that deep, did you? Nope. But 289 is a really great number. Okay, so this week's 289 is, hold on, I gotta, I took notes on my computer. I gotta get this. Oh boy, where did it go? Okay. So this week's 289 is RuPaul colon What's the Tea with Michelle Visage. Um, RuPaul, the noted American drag queen who also hosts uh, the show RuPaul's Drag Race, which is a reality show all about drag queens. In this show, 
RuPaul is basically gossiping with his sidekick, Michelle Visage. Hey, Michelle. Hi, baby doll. And the show starts by them just gasbagging about whatever. Girl, we have got so much to talk about. And then they have this British chat show host, Graham Norton, on. We are here with our very special guest. Graham Norton <gasps> is here. Oh. That's the only time when the show gets exciting, when they have a guest. <laughs> <laughs> and then I had to wait like 45 minutes for a guest to even come on the show. And I just like wanted it to be way more fun and over the top, like basically like RuPaul's Drag Race, right? But it was like totally flat and boring. It was like, it was very disappointing given the two personalities that were on the show. Um, you know, RuPaul on his show says that he judges his contestants on charisma, uniqueness, nerve, and talent. And I hate to say it, watch out, Shade Court is in session that this show does not live up to any of those ideals. So, sashay away. Sashay away. I still like the show, though. I mean, I still like the TV show. So, like, don't be mad at me, RuPaul. Do you have one finger? Literally, do you have one finger? Because if you have one finger or even one toe, that is all you need to subscribe to the Big Listen podcast. And once you lift that finger or that toe, you never have to do it again because the show will magically appear in your iTunes or your NPR One feed or whatever fine purveyor of podcasts you choose to use. So subscribe. As always, let me tell you, we love us some listener feedback. So like us on Facebook and or follow us on Twitter. We're at Here Big Listen. That's H-E-A-R, Big Listen. So follow us. Our electronic mail address is biglisten at wamu.org. And should you really like the taste of adhesive on your tongue, we are always up for getting real mail. Are you looking for show notes with all the links to this week's featured shows? We'll hit up biglisten.org. All the info's there. And while you're there, subscribe to our official newsletter. There's a link on the website. The show is produced, mixed, and edited by Jacob Fenston. I, Lauren Ober, was making my list and checking it twice. Special thanks to our number one elf, Beck Feldhouse Adams, and my best guy, Hans Anderson, for helping out. David Schulman composed the theme music. Other music in the show came from Army Navy, the band, not the store. The Big Listen is the brainchild of boss lady Andy McDaniel and her boss man, J.J. Yore, and is produced by WAMU and distributed by NPR in Washington, D.C., capital of America. And now a few final thoughts from Melissa Locker about the fine art of podcast criticism. Do you tell people what they shouldn't listen to? Are we at a stage yet where we can write very critically about podcasts and be like, you know what, this is garbage? Like, because there's really nothing more fun than than reading a scathing review of anything that we consume. Or I'm a jerk. I, mean, I don't yes, know. You might be a jerk. I'm a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know you that well. I'm, I'm just saying. No, I, don't I am. Know. I'm I, a jerk. I, You're I, right. I don't really want to dedicate the time to listen to podcasts that I don't like and the time to write about podcasts that I don't like. Like, there is not enough time in the world at all to dedicate three hours to Joe Rogan's experience. Like I need to have my own experience. And then I don't know. There are podcasts for everyone. And some people are just going to completely disagree with you. Like obviously millions of people love Joe Rogan and listen to it all the time. I'm just not one of them. Well, whether you're a Joe Rogan fan or not, 
we are a fan of you. Till next time, keep listening, America. This is NPR. Hey, are you still here? Are you the one who wrote us that really nice review? Well, if so, thank you so much. And if not, well, let's get on that. Write us a review. Let us know what you think of the show. We would really appreciate it, and it helps other very attractive listeners such as yourselves find us. So go. Review us on iTunes. Leave us a love note or a hate note, whatever. And thanks. Also, get out of here.